Amen. Isaiah 18. Uh, you would think this wouldn't have a lot to it considering it's seven verses, but once again, you dig in and it just keeps going and going and it's like, wow, I never even thought about all that, but let's get right to it. So Isaiah chapter 18, starting here in verse one, the scripture reads this, woe to the land shadowing with wings, which is beyond the rivers of Ethiopia that sendeth ambassadors by the sea, even in vessels of bulrushes upon the waters, saying, Go, ye swift messengers, to a nation scattered and peeled, to a people terrible from their beginning hitherto, a nation meted out and trodden down, whose land the rivers have spoiled. All ye inhabitants of the world and dwellers on the earth, see ye when he lifteth up an ensign and on the mountains, and when he bloweth a trumpet, hear ye. For so the Lord said unto me, I will take my rest, and I will consider in my dwelling place like a clear heat upon herbs, and like a cloud of dew in the heat of harvest. For afore the harvest, when the bud is perfect, and the sour grape is ripening in the flower, he shall both cut off the sprigs, with pruning hooks, and take away and cut down the branches. They shall be left together unto the fowls of the mountains, and to the beasts of the earth, and the fowls shall summer upon them, and all the beasts of the earth shall winter upon them. In that time shall the present be brought unto the Lord of hosts, of a people scattered and peeled, and from a people terrible from their beginning hitherto, a nation meted out and trodden underfoot, whose land the rivers have spoiled, to the place of the name of the Lord of hosts, the Mount Zion. Amen? That seems like a lot to digest, does it not? Well, let's just go right back to verse 1, and let's look at this. Woe to the land, shadowing with wings, which is beyond the rivers of Ethiopia. So my first objective when looking at this is to figure out, um, is, is this a prophecy concerning Ethiopia directly? And I've come to the conclusion that Ethiopia is involved in this prophecy and that God is announcing a woe on them as well as to some others beyond their rivers. So what is these, this uh, land shadowing with wings? So I came to the conclusion that I could not... Uh, directly pinpoint specifically who all would be involved in this land because a land can be an expanded area according to whatever boundaries God's referring to here so I'm not going to get into a bunch of speculation about it but I will tell you this there's a land that goes beyond the rivers of Ethiopia and it seems that this reference of shadowing with wings would be they're trying to have some kind of protective feature, right? So shadowing with wings is you're trying to cover something. You're trying to protect it. You're trying to help it, which seems like a good thing. So why did this end up with the woe on them for doing so? Um, and I want to give you this and remember this. This is very important when studying anything dealing with prophecy. All prophecy of the Bible is concerning Israel, Right? The church, what's concerning us, was given by mystery and revelation by Paul. 
prophecy in dealing with these nations is always involving some contact they have with God's people Israel. Okay, so that's an important rule to remember with that. Um, but let's look at what they did. So in verse 2, it says here, and this would have to do with their shadowing with wings. So by some means here, they sent ambassadors by the sea, um, even in vessels of bulrushes. And so when you think of what an ambassador is, and so um, we have, you know, when I, when I see ambassadors, you're thinking these are people who are trying to create a peace treaty of some kind, um, they come in peace, right? I mean, our ambassador, we have ambassadors from other countries in our nation. Their function isn't to be destructive to us. Their function is supposed to be a liaison between our government and that nation's government to keep peace and to keep things on a good ally relationship, right? That's, I mean, that would be the purpose of having ambassadors. When we send ambassadors to other countries, they are to represent America, right? in those lands and to seek the best interest of those relationships between those two nations to keep the peace and seek prosperity on both ends with whatever those dealings may be. The Bible tells us we're to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ. We're to be messengers for the Lord to seek to be a liaison between people who don't know Christ and Christ himself to bridge that relationship and to help people come to know the Lord. Amen. And so uh, an ambassador would be somebody who is representing something. So here we have ambassadors that are representing this nation. Uh, they've come across waters. Now I'll tell you this, the land beyond, I mean Ethiopia and then the land beyond. Now Ethiopia directly, I'm going to give you something that's like, I can't even believe this happened. We're studying 2 Kings in Sunday school. 2 Kings chapter 19, which we haven't quite got to yet talks about something that Ethiopia did that lines right up with this chapter. And, I could, and that popped out. I said, there's no way. That, there, I could not have found that on my own. There's, not, there's no concordances that do that. That's just God just like, hey, look at this. And I'm like, wait, isn't that? Yeah, those are connected. So that's cool, and I'll share that with you here in a second. Um, but so I want to give you this. It says here in verse 2, so we have swift messengers to a nation scattered and peeled. Remember that the Jews get scattered and dispersed, okay? Um, so we're definitely looking at something that's future here in some sense and with the prophecies of Israel. To a people terrible from their beginning hitherto, um, I, I'd also submit to you, terrible does not necessarily mean bad because in the Hebrew language, terrible would oftentimes be a word that they would use to describe the greatness or the splendor or the power of something as well. Um, so you have that. And then from their beginning, hitherto, a nation meted out and trodden down whose land the rivers have spoiled. Well, I was trying to discern whether or not that was Israel because Israel was a, a great nation that had been spoiled because of their sin as they've gone into captivity and trodden down and scattered and everything else. And then you have verse 3 here that says, All ye inhabitants of the world and dwellers of the earth, see ye when ye lift up an ensign on the mountain and when he bloweth the trumpet. Now, now that to me is talking about Jesus Christ and the reaction of the world because we know Christ is coming back. Amen? And so we know that there's a future tribulation coming. We know that Christ is going to stand on, on Mount Zion, which is mentioned here in the end. Um, so what I want to submit to you tonight as you look at this chapter, I think we're looking at nations who take advantage of Israel while they're trodden down. 
That's how I read into it. Think about the United States relationship with Israel. This is an easy example here. We sent ambassadors. We pat them on the back. Our president with Netanyahu and everything. We're your allies. We support you. We're your friends. But then we go peddle in deals with Iran and peddle in deals with nations that are completely against them. And so I think we're looking at politics here. Uh, you know what I think the Bible's telling us is during a tribulation period, the nations that were supposed to be protecting Israel, that promised to protect Israel, that were shadowing them with their wings and sending their ambassadors across the sea to do a protection to Israel and to say, we're your ally. We won't let Iran bomb you. We won't let Pakistan hurt you. We won't let Lebanon hurt you. And then they turn around and did exactly what they said they wouldn't do. God's going to deal with them in the judgment in the tribulation period. So I think we're looking at God's judgment on those who politically work in secret behind the backs of Israel because we know that uh, there's all manners of, of evil that are it, it work against God's people in Israel because it's the Holy Land and it's still a lot of prophecy of the Bible that centers around Jerusalem. I mean, Christ is going to come back. His throne's going to be centered in Jerusalem. Amen? And so it's, uh, there's a lot to that um, for the millennial reign, the 1,000 millennial reign when that comes, which will be after the tribulation. So I would tell you this. Here's a practical application we can use in our own life. People who take advantage of others while they're down, they always get what's coming to them in the end. So... We have the current relationships we've already seen with Israel, but you have to remember that there's a day coming in a tribulation period where Israel is going to appear to the world to be forsaken by God because of all this trouble. And they're all coming against Israel. Amen? So I also, I also believe we're seeing a glimpse of um, opportunistic attacks on Israel because during the tribulation they're going to see, oh, we have an opportunity, let's get them. You know, because it's a time of Jacob's trouble. And so I see that there. But I want, to, I want to give you this, and this is what we've learned so far in this chapter. The same nation that sends ambassadors, an ambassador being an expression of friendliness, an ally. Um, in verse 1, we've seen they have a desire to protect and defend. It seems to be also the same nation that sanctioned others to prey upon Israel, politically. So the same one saying, we're your friends are the same ones selling them out behind their back. Well, the United States did that, but um, we're going to see an example of Ethiopia involved in something like that too. But I just thought, well, there you go. Imagine that, two-faced and fakes and frauds. We find them in the Bible. There's always been two-faced fakes and frauds in the world. You know, uh, we've probably all encountered a few in our own life. Smile in your face, stab you in the back. That's, you know, that's, the, world, that's the world out there. And churches would do well to make sure it stays out there and not in here. Amen? Uh, the same. So we've got that. Um, and the Bible says this, Woe unto them, all ye inhabitants of the world. you see that verse? Where is that there? Uh, verse 3. All ye inhabitants of the world and dwellers on the earth, see ye when he lifteth up an on sign on the mountains and when he bloweth the trumpet. I, 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 really, I really want to catch this here. Look at the look at Revelation 14:1 real quick. Let's go to Revelation for a second. 
And just look at the similarities there. Revelation chapter 14. I'm not one of these guys that thinks he knows everything about the book of Revelation, by the way. I, I know there's some of those guys out there. They may, they may want to pick my brain if they were to hear what I'm about to say, but I'm just pointing out some similarities because I love it when things in the Bible, they sound close enough together to be related. Amen? Look at verse 1 in Revelation chapter 14. And this scripture reads this, And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Sion. Well, we know if it's talking about the Lamb, it's talking about our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? So we've got a Lamb, we've got Jesus, and He's standing on a mount, a mountain named Sion, and with Him 144,000 having His Father's name written in their foreheads. I'm not going to get in a whole lot on the 144,000, but we know the Bible reveals that that's representatives for Israel, the 12 tribes, 12,000 for every tribe. There's a lot of stuff in there. I'm not going to teach on that right now, but we clearly see here a sign from the mountain, and we see that that sign is Jesus Christ, and it just looks a lot similar to what we see taking place in verse 3. Now let me give you another one. Go to Revelation chapter 4 for a second. Because back here in Isaiah, not only did it talk about uh, the sign on the mountain, but then it said, when he bloweth the trumpet, hear ye. When he bloweth the trumpet. Revelation 4.1 After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Amen? Many Bible scholars, I'll give you this, you folks are dispensational in your theological beliefs. And, uh, and you know, we've already kind of went over this quite a few times, but we're pre-millennial and we're pre-tribulation. So we believe that Christ is going to rapture the church before the tribulation and, and all that. And then there'll be a second coming. Well, so from our dispensational theological standpoint verse 4 1 seems to be a fulfillment of the scriptures in thessalonians where it talks about a, a last trumpet amen and so we have this but i thought it would be fitting because he says when you hear the trumpet hear ye back here in isaiah chapter 18 now when we hear the trumpet well when brother brian hears the trumpet in an instant, in the twinkling of an eye, I'm going to be changed. I'm going to be in heaven. I'm going to be in heaven. I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm going to be up in the clouds meeting who the Lord's having me to meet up there just as the Bible says. The only people that are going to be left here listening to anything are going to be those nations that, were left, that weren't a part of the rapture. Amen? Those people who had rejected Christ. And so it would make sense that if chapter 18 here is talking about the tribulation, that there would be a trumpet, and now he's telling them, listen up, because what's going to happen after the rapture? There's going to be a time of God's judgment against those nations during the tribulation period, which is in the same pattern we see here in Isaiah 18. There's a trumpet, hear ye, and then what does he said? For so the Lord said unto me, I will take my rest, and I will consider in my dwelling place like a clear heat upon herbs and like a cloud of dew, in the heat of the harvest, and what happens is, is he talks about, look at verse 5, for for the harvest, when the bud is perfect, 
and the sour grape is ripening in the flower, he shall both cut off the sprigs with pruning hooks and take away and cut down the branches. The Lord has said, I'm going to spend a season. I'm going to sit back and take my rest. And while he's doing that, his great nation that's now trodden down, there's going to be the cutting off of sprigs with pruning hooks and cutting down branches. That sounds like tribulation to me. And it sounds like a tribulation for Israel, but it sounds like a tribulation that brings nations into judgment. And so I, I clearly see a message in Isaiah 18 about, um, about a people in a tribulation period, about nations in judgment, about political relationships between Israel and other nations. Um, but I also want to point a few more things out before I run out of time. I'm sorry, I'm already going kind of long here, but... So in verse uh, verse 7, I want you to catch this here. So I hope I've painted that picture in your mind. Here's a, 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 a sign on a mountain. A trumpet has sounded. Now there's tribulation happening. It, it's, uh, it's in relationship to Israel. There's nations under judgment. And then you see verse 7. In that time shall the present be brought unto the Lord. Now that's a present is in, here's a present. Here's a present for you, Lord. Oh, it's a present. And the present is the people that were scattered and peeled. If you look at it, I mean, the present be brought unto the Lord of hosts of a people scattered and peeled and from a people terrible from their beginning hitherto, a nation meted out and trodden underfoot whose land the rivers is spoiled to the place of the name of the day. A present was brought to the Lord as he was in Mount Zion. You see that? That's all in verse 7. At the very last sentence of the verse, the Lord of hosts, he's at Mount Zion. The people have been brought to him. Where does it, the Bible tells us that Israel will be regathered to Mount Zion, where Jesus will be at. But you know what captured me the most in that? A people scattered, a people peeled. You think like peeled, you think of I peel when I get a sunburn, right? A people that have been weathered. By the you know the storms, the tribulation, they've been meted out, they've been you know trodden down, but they'll be a present themselves to the Lord, even in that condition. Do you catch that? Though their condition seems worthless and useless, they are acceptable to him who judges men by the sincerity of their faith and love. Isn't that a beautiful message to pull out of that chapter? You ever feel worthless and useless in your life? But you still be acceptable to Christ. This world can beat you down, can weather you, you can, you can be beat down, you can feel worthless, you can feel useless, you can feel like you've been through too many storms, you can just be the lowest of low points in your life. But if you're sincere in your faith and love towards Him, He's accepting you. Amen? If you love the Lord Jesus Christ, you're accepted to Him no matter what the world's put you through. Well, let me finish up here. I just thought that was a beautiful truth in the whole message, but let me give you just a real quick historical fact on something. In 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 9, write that down, but we'll be in it in Sunday school in a couple weeks. Ethiopia seeks to protect the Jews by giving a powerful diversion to the king of Assyria by sending ambassadors. <laughs> Isn't that something? Uh, so they sent the ambassadors to the king of Assyria and they tried to divert the attack on Jerusalem. But then you read a little bit later that 
um, and some other places in, in the Bible after that, that they apparently struck agreements with Assyria afterwards, leaving Israel politically vulnerable. So that would fit right here with why God would send the woe on Ethiopia, because they once, you know, they once were their ally, and they sent ambassadors, they diverted attack, they had a protective function, and then they turned around and they struck some kind of political agreements with Assyria afterwards, which made Israel politically vulnerable, because we see them at a later time in the Bible participating in joint military missions with Egypt by the Assyrians' direction. So Assyria is later on in a position of they're giving military instructions to Ethiopia and Egypt, and those two are working in, you know, in, in unison with one another in some joint military efforts, which we see later on in, in 2 Kings. And so that's why we find a woe on Ethiopia. That's what they did specifically to get drawn in. Because what did God say to Abraham? Blessed are the nations that bless you. Cursed are the nations that curse you. Boy, if they had just left it right there at nineteen, at chapter 19, verse 9 of Second Kings and done the good work that they did by the ambassadors diverting the attack on Jerusalem, if they just left it at that, God would have blessed their land. You know what Ethiopia looks like today? It looks like a land that's been under God's judgment for quite some time. So when God says there's woe on something, there's woe on it. Amen. And uh, so anyway, but, uh, but the, the, real, the real biggest point I want you to walk away with tonight, and then we're going to the Lord in prayer, is though the world and sin makes us worthless and useless, the righteousness of Christ, because of our faith and love towards God, when we've accepted Christ as our Savior, we have imputed righteousness, we're made right with God, and we are therefore acceptable in the beloved and acceptable to Him. Amen. Even if the world's done a number on us, Jesus still loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for tonight. Thank you for the message. I hope that I did a good job, Lord. Um, this is your holy word, and I really don't want to mess that up. I really want to, to speak what you would have me to speak. And, um, and Lord, we get into the meat of your word, and we get into some of the deeper things that are happening in your scriptures, and we seek to understand it, and we want to know it. And we want to learn from it, and then we want to apply it in our lives. And, um, and Lord, some of the stuff with prophecy in Israel, um, maybe it's not stuff that we would you know, have conversations about in, in public, because we really need to preach the gospel out there, but they're things that help us look to our current events with the anticipation of our Savior coming back for us, Lord. And uh, we're waiting for that trumpet, Lord, and we're ready to spend eternity with you, Lord, and we know that you're going to... Jesus, we know you're going to have a throne on earth for a thousand years, and we know there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and all your enemies will be brought to judgment, and we know these things, and um, Lord, we see it in your scripture, and it just helps us to rejoice even more that you've made a way for us to have a relationship with you, that you have saved us, and uh, and you've brought us out of, of our sinful condition. We're no longer worthless and useless, Lord, but we're accepted by you, and we thank you for that this evening. I ask that you bless us all as we leave here tonight. Keep everyone safe. Help us get back um, for church on Sunday. Help everyone have a blessed week. And uh, we lift up the prayer needs to you once again. And uh, we just thank you, Lord, for your goodness and love in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.